Welcome, Dr. James Beckett. Sports Card Insights here with the, the Brogy family, or at least the male part of the Brogy family, to talk about the father and son's issues. It's a fabulous hobby for an individual. It's even better when you can enjoy it with your son or sons or daughters. But a fabulous hobby of sports card collecting. Uh, John Brogy, pretty synonymous with the National Sports Collectors Convention, of which pretty much all of the sponsors will be there. And I'd like to thank them now. It's Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, CompC.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck. Let's do Age Before Beauty. John Brogy, welcome to the show. And Rich Klein's here too, just in case I miss anything, because Rich is an amazing, I think, co-host this time. But uh, John, tell us about uh, your hobby involvement. You're pretty much known as the national guy now. Welcome to the show along with uh, JB and Jeff. Thanks, guys. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, we do go back away. I was thinking before we, when we talked about doing an episode like this, Jim, I met you back in 1980 when you were walking around Gloria Rothstein shows working on a price guide. And uh, you would stop it at a lot of different dealers' tables and try to figure out what prices cards were selling for and putting together the Beckett price guide. So we go back that far. So much simpler in those days. <laughs> For you and for me, I think. Uh, yeah. I don't want to steal the thunder from my two boys, but we got started in this because I was a stamp collector back in my younger days. I accumulated a lot of extra stuff and still wanted to buy stuff for my collection. One weekend, my wife said to me, I just bought you space at a local flea market to buy and sell stamps so that you can sell what you have and make a little bit of extra money so you can buy new things to, to add to your collection. Uh, I'm going to pass it along to, to one of my boys right now to, to finish up that story. You, you want to take it, Jeff, or are you, John? I'll go. So basically, this was probably 1978. I was eight or nine, and Jeff was six or seven. And after a few different weekends at the flea market, somebody walked up with a big bag of baseball cards and asked if, you know, he it was interested in baseball cards. And he was like, eh, I don't really think so. And me and Jeff were just basically yanking it at his shirt tails and saying, no, buy these, buy these baseball cards. So I think there was a bunch of like late 60s cards amongst the bag. And that's where it began. If those cards were purchased, who owned them? Was it the finder? The Was it the dad? Was it the, what, did you gang up on your dad and two against one? Or, you know, how were they held? I think uh, since he was the uh, purchaser, uh, he was the owner, but we definitely had a joint venture going on there. Jeff, is that how you remembered or were you? I was young. So I, I do remember wanting the cards. I do remember asking. I don't remember much of the process after until his stamp table turned into a quarter sports collectibles, a half, and then all of a sudden the stamps were gone. We were at the flea market every weekend living behind the sports collectibles and, and mostly baseball cards at that time. And that's how our love for the industry, our love for, for the cards, my love for sports and, and playing and all of that developed and grew. When you started, did you have any competition at the flea market or was that just you? And if I remember correctly, was it the Raritan flea market? The US one right. flea market in North New Brunswick, I guess it's there. Initially, I don't think we did, but this was again, as John said, back in 1978. And there was no such thing as a Beckett price guide. You felt your way along. You didn't know what kind of value there were on cards. I do remember that one of the cards, and, and I remember it being a box of cards as, a, as opposed to the bag that John talks about. But I remember inside there, we found a 1967 Topps Brooks Robinson. 
had no idea that was one of the most valuable cards or scarcest cards in the 67 top set. I guess we bought a copy of the Sports Collector's Bible back then, which sort of pointed you a little bit in the direction of knowing that there were cars that were scarcer than others, but we had no clue what to do. I didn't collect so much back then, but I did remember collecting in my youth. I remember sitting with friends on somebody's porch, flipping cards, playing team colors, trying to match things with baseball cards. But the stamp collecting was what I did. And then after that, I sort of became hooked on sports collectibles in general. You've got two sharp sons here, John, and I want to hear from them and from you. What is the age at which you thought these guys can buy and sell without supervision? Were they pretty quick studies or were you hovering? Or at what point were they buying, not necessarily on their own account, but were they making good decisions in the buying and selling side? Again, in the days before price guides. John said he was about nine years old when we first started. I remember we went to a Fort Washington, I guess it was Willow Grove at the time, show and saw some of the things going on. Purchased a case of 1979 Topps baseball. I don't know how we figured it out, but I think John figured out that there were two different Bump Wills cards in that set. So that led me to believe he, he was paying attention to what was going on. He, he figured it out a little bit earlier because he was a lot more involved. Jeff was a lot more active in sports at the time. So he was playing Little League and, and the other things. So John, probably by the, the time he was 12 or 13, knew enough to be able to recommend purchasing a collection after having looked at it. Jeff took a while longer than that to, to figure it out. Is that how you guys remember it? Pretty much. After games, we were at the flea market come fourth and fifth grade when, when he opened the store. We spent a, a great deal of time there as well. And we were good with things that were priced, but I would always go and ask, okay, here's my thought. Does this make sense? And you would learn that way as well. And you'd observe and watch and, and really watch my brother and father were the experts to me. John being three years older than I am and, and, and dad having the industry experience, that's how I learned. And it was really helpful and it you know, helped me understand how to work even outside the industry. Many of the shows did you go to with your father? Did he ever leave you at the flea market or the store alone? At I, we were there every weekend. We were at any show he was at. We were at any, if there was no show, we were at the flea market. So all the traveling and you're that young, was it exciting or were you saying, oh, just, oh, another place we have to go to? I was actually thinking this morning, I remember going to the show at, the Penta Hotel across from Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And being 10 or 11 years old, they're like, I want to get a pretzel, Dad. I went outside the hotel, got a pretzel at 10 years old in the middle of downtown Manhattan. Obviously, things were much different back then than they are now. <laughs> yeah, I, and I remember similar stories. Like I, It was a show in New York. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I, I couldn't have been more than 10 years old. Jeff, this is your portion of the table. And there were packages like stacks of 25 cards wrapped in a, you know, a plastic bag. Here's the price. Jeff, this is your spot. This is where you're going to sell from. I don't know many 10-year-olds who had that type of experience. The traveling was just part of who we were. But John, are you going to take credit for your sons? It sounds like they picked up some business acumen. Was that intentional or accidental on your part? I think it was accidental, but I saw that it was happening. And John and, and Jeff at the age of 12 or 13, were so much more able to stand on their own to deal with people than I ever was, even at the age of 25 or 30. Uh, they had no problem talking to an adult, discussing things with him when it came to you know sports collectibles or, or anything like that. I think it was just a, a matter of 
being involved in this hobby where knowledge is what makes you equal. Regardless of age. Regardless of age. age. Yeah, it's a, it's a great equalizer. Hey, uh, young men uh, who are not so young anymore, uh, <laughs> if you asked your dad a question and he didn't know, was your next call to Uncle Rich Klein <laughs> about the value of a card? I think Rich was fifth or sixth. The the connections dad had in the industry were far. You had, Mr. You had Alan Rose and you had... Jerry Shore, you had Mike Burkus was a connection. There were so many people in the industry, Mike Gordon, so many names that you remember and some that you still see at the national, gosh, 35 and 40 years later. It's just amazing the longevity of folks in the hobby and, and how much it continues to draw people in. One question about the national from a son's perspective is your dad works really hard. I'm sure he works hard during the year, but there's the time leading up to and, and during the national. It's just a killer. So what's your dad's secret for doing it all these years? We've had some funerals in the industry in the last year or two and encourage everybody to take good care of themselves. But Big John, you've got a real tiger by the tail. You've got a lot of impossible to please customers. And as sons, what do you see looking at your dad during that week of the year? This, this should be interesting, Jim. Yeah. This should be interesting. <laughs> are you concerned or are you, are you thinking this is my dad in his sweet spot? It's definitely the latter. He keeps it as loose as possible leading up to the national, but you're right now, six weeks out, we're, we're definitely in the weeds right now. And we're trying to make sure that everything goes off. And obviously with the short amount of time that we have, seeing that Chicago and Illinois just basically opened up within the last two weeks, we're just trying to make sure that all the, the I's are dotted, T's are crossed, everybody's taken care of, and the show is going to hopefully run smoothly with a significant increase in the amount of people that are going to go through those doors this year. I I agree 100%. I think he is definitely in his sweet spot. But what you find is as a supervisor and a boss, you're only as good as your team. He has made sure to surround himself with people who understand the national. They understand how it works, how it runs, and what their responsibilities are every day. He talks to you every morning. You know exactly what to expect, what kind of tweaks you're going to make within what happened yesterday and how you're going to continue to move forward. I've seen him stressed in my life, but I don't really see him stressed the week of the national because, again, he's in that sweet spot. Wait a minute. Are you my son? <laughs> During the national, you're good. You talk to I guess today. so. It's leading talk up to, to today. <laughs> Talk to him today. I want to echo what Jeff said, that surrounding ourselves with the right team. We've had the same group of people for probably the last 10 to 15 years. One of our key workers just had a baby uh, about six or seven months ago, and she's not coming out to help work our ticket booth. And it's thrown us into a dither. It's actually bringing in the K from JKJ Sports Collectibles for her first trip to the national. Kristen, my daughter, is coming out and is going to work with her mother in the ticket booth area. But the people we have know the job. They know what to do. For the most part, you never have to say, hey, why don't you? Because they're already doing it for you. And Jeff and John are prime among those people. One thing I've noticed is, as you said, there's a consistency. You go to the national, you go to the front table, everybody knows exactly what to do, who to speak to. And even if there's a problem, which does occur, who to inform to work on the problem so it can be solved instead of having four different people trying to solve the same issue when the one person who can do it the best just does it. That's for sure. It's nice that this year, even though we do, as John said, have a shorter time frame, we're back in a familiar location. And even the convention center people are basically the same. I have five or six different people I deal with on different topics. One of them was replaced, but was replaced by her understudy who was there for the last five shows anyways. He just stepped up and is doing that. 
I want to focus one question on Jeff. Jeff, I know you've had some health issues over the last year and you've come through them very well. How did your hobby background help you get through all that? I don't know that the hobby background helped me get through my health issues, but if you want to count my hobby background as my family, because yes. that's how we're connected, they're the best support system anybody could ask for. You look at you look at JB, you look at my father, mom, who was there every year, my wife, who's come to a couple nationals, my youngest, who now is part of the team, is coming to her third national this year. They're the best support system you could ever ask for. When I got COVID early on and was laid up for, for two weeks, was in the emergency room following, everybody was there for me. And so it made it much easier and we're back doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we're all glad you got through it successfully. Thank you. John, what have you learned from your sons? Not necessarily in the context of the hobby, but you've worked alongside them. You've seen them uh, grow up and mature, become fine young men, if I can call them young. And young is anybody younger than me. But what have you learned from your sons that you could pass on to somebody else? To have patience. When I get a little bit stressed, as Jeff says, he never has seen at the national, but they can bring me back down to earth and, and say, we'll deal with it. Let's go through it. Being consistent, hard work ethic, which we, I think all have. I, I like to believe that each of these guys uh, would work as hard as they could or had to make something happen. And I think that's a family trait that we've all brought forward. I love that. And I think accountability and covering for each other, it's the essence, one of the essence of family, probably the essence of family is love, I think, but love needs to be expressed in action. Anyway, thanks, Brogies. Thanks, Rich. And it's a great time of year to celebrate fathers. And I think this is the greatest hobby in the world. Highly recommend people showing up at the National. You guys didn't need to sell me and Rich. We're going to be there regardless. But hopefully we've got some listeners who are maybe thinking, should I go? Should I not? You should go. So thanks to the Brogies. It'll be a, a well-run event. Best to all of you. We'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of cards. The man in the house of cards.